0: Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach, and in this episode, I want to provide you with my outline for stories, and this could be a script, this can be a novel, it could be a short story. Uh, I, I've never used it that way, but feasibly it could work that way. Now, right off the bat, uh, if you're if you're listening to this, or even if you're watching it, I would encourage you to click the link in the description. That way you get your own document version of this. I provided you the document I'm going off of, so that way you can better follow along, okay? And also, it's there for you, so you can use this document moving forward, right? It's a template for you to be able to utilize. Now, before I fully dive in, And while you're downloading that, hopefully, I would also like to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't done so already. That way you get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and truly appreciate you if you already were. It means a lot to me. So at this point, I assume that you have the document. If you don't, pause and download it. And if you're kind of looking at it, It's exactly like an outline, right? It's got main sections, then it's got, uh, you know, bullet points for some of the subsections and then subsections for those subsections, right? You know, breaking down further. But overall, as you can see, the title, I put that there. Although if I'm being honest about it, the title for me generally is the least important, right? Uh, Because you can always come up with that later and see what fits. But if you want to put in one now just as a placeholder, great. Or, you know, maybe you have the perfect title, in which case, fine, you know, use it and put it in there. Here is my title, right? Boom. And then the controlling idea. Now, what this is, it's not necessarily the theme. It's, It's the thing that that ultimately is revealed and said about the story. So here's an example. Until we destroy our ego, we will never be free. So, you know, that's a very powerful statement and that controls the narrative, right? You know, and this can be expressed in a gazillion different ways, if not an infinite number of ways, but let's say that is the controlling idea for my, my outline, right? And you really want to think about this very early on. Because in essence, it defines like, what's the purpose of this telling? You know, what what do I want to say with this piece of work? What's the honesty and the truth within here that will resonate with the world? Okay? And that's the controlling idea. Then we move on to protagonist and antagonist. And a story is only as compelling as the forces of antagonism. And so that's why I look at this in that binary way. I want to define both, you know, and give the protagonist and the antagonist what are their names, describe them, and then what are their goals, their apparent goals and their subconscious goals. And a lot of times, you know, the, the, the greatest stories, right, have, you know, what we say we want outwardly but then of course it sometimes clashes uh, or goes even further in terms of what our subconscious desires are and do this for both the protagonist and the antagonist now you know to that effect you might have your your force of antagonism could be nature right or something like that it is even though you know you can't necessarily give it an apparent goal uh, you know in that sense you still want to define your force of antagonism better. The, 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 the more you define it, the stronger your work will be, okay? And then just basics, basic stuff, you know, setting okay, in terms of time and place. You know, what is it? Is it historic? Is it modern day? Is it futuristic? Does it take place in, on this world in a small town? Does it take place all over the world? Does it take place on a different planet? You know, all these things are different. And what, what I hope what you're starting to get a sense here is the idea that we're, we're creating a sandbox to play in. A lot of times people think, you know, I, I'm going to just write my story and kind of figure it out from there. And to me, that doesn't work because you're going to spend way too much time figuring things out and having an endless array of choices is actually very debilitating it's that it's like when a lot of filmmakers or other creatives talk about money as a creative restraint you know by not having all the financial resources a lot of creatives as examples show they get they get very creative in their solutions right and so what you're doing here is ultimately creating the sandbox so that way your creativity can start to thrive. Because if you don't define these things, it's like, okay, yes, the story can go anywhere, but, and and it will, and none of it means anything. In some sense, you also have to look at, you, you, you'd much rather have a smaller story well told than, than this like gigantic narrative that is just... Told terribly, you know, and oftentimes the more we can make our ideas succinct, the 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 greater the the depth and breadth of of the art we're trying to create. Hence, the controlling idea. That's why this is so super important to define. The controlling idea sets the tone of like if anything doesn't support or you know go against this idea at times, because again, that, that's part of the story. That's the force of antagonism is to go against the controlling idea, that's, that's what will make your story fantastic. So really use the controlling idea. That's why it's called literally the controlling idea. It's your control the telling of your narrative. Okay, so we just finished up with setting in place. Um, then just kind of, you know, just a different way of defining things is internal conflict and external conflict. So... You know, the external conflict, as I said, could be nature and could be apparent in that sense. So, you know, if you have a story like that where it's man versus nature style, then the internal conflict you'll have to kind of work a little bit more at, you know, because that's not as apparent. Or conversely, you know, something might be very internal and then you might be like, okay, well, it would be boring if it's just this cerebral... um, you know, examination of something, so what are external conflicts, and they don't, doesn't mean like an action fight scene or a car chase, but, you know, there, there are external forces antagonism, you know, what, what are, what are actions, right, so internal is the, the mental uh, conflicts going on, and external is like, what actions can be happening, right, and then themes, right? So themes allow you kind of expand the controlling idea uh, uh, in kind of more broader sense. And I don't, you know, I I put this there for myself when I do when I do outlines, but but really themes kind of start to develop themselves on the second or third round of a draft. So I don't necessarily spend too much time worrying about themes up front. Um, nor, you know, I put symbolism here as well. Nor do I worry about symbolism as much unless it's like apparent, you know, for if, um, like my, my script, right? It's called In Search of Sunrise and that's the title. And so very early on, a key imagery was sunrises, right? What does that mean for the characters metaphorically and so forth? And so, a symbol, you know, symbolism within my, uh, story is, is sunrises. And so, so I would put that there, but it's not always required. Again, it could come with the second and third draft. Now your story might be heavily religious, right? And whatever religion that may be. And so defining it defining symbolism that way what what's the imagery you wish to evoke like if it, let's say you know you're writing the da Vinci code right that that's plays on artifacts and so forth of, of historic significance so what's the symbolism through those and symbolism the way you have to look at it, it works in two versions it can be something that's already known to the external world hence like religious artifacts and and imagery or something that you create and it and, and has meaning within the story itself, right? And I can tell you this with In Search of Sunrise, I kind of play to both with what sunrises mean. I think, you know, there's something that's evoked through sunrise in general, right? It's it's the start of a new day, a fresh start, things like that. But then, you know, I, I layer in, or at least I attempt to layer in my my meaning into that as well, to, you know, take that even further. Uh, Foreshadowing, you know, foreshadowing is kind, you know, what what are things that can happen early on that signal, you know, here's what's going to kind of happen later. And, And in that sense, um, yeah, as with themes, symbolism, foreshadowing, and also irony while I'm on it, Uh, these are the ones that you can kind of hold off for a little bit. Maybe irony less so because, you know, um, irony in that sense is I, I always like to think of it, what is the apparent goal of the protagonist and how is it in conflict with their subconscious? And that kind of, in essence, to me becomes the irony. You can look at irony a number of different ways. So, you know, maybe it is worthwhile to really define it before you get going. But not, you don't always have to. You can kind of come through later. Now, the plotting of of your story. This is now, you know, this is now where things become important, right? So you've defined your controlling idea. You have, you know, you want, you know, where things are going to go, or ultimately what you want the the truth of your story to be. You have the protagonist. You have the antagonist. You have the time and the place. Okay, and you have the internal and external conflicts. Now, here's where you start to plot those things. And you can, it's kind of almost interesting. You can work one, I mean, there's a number of ways you can do it ultimately, but I like to think of it in terms of this binary. Either start with the crisis climax. You know, because in essence, the controlling idea is revealed in the crisis climax. So what are you building to? Okay. And maybe define that first. And then you can, in essence, almost kind of work backwards. Or you start with the inciting incident. So the inciting incident is not necessarily the first act break, but it is, it is the, the moment where things kick off that incite the story. It is, it is the moment where—let me look up. and it's, it's, it's the point in the plot that hooks the reader into the story, right? It's where the protagonist is thrust into the action of the story. And again, it's, it's, it's a little bit more nuanced than a first act break. Uh, so, so, you know, let's say—think of it in this, in, in this sense— the inciting incident of a story let's say like indiana jones could be him getting an offer to go on this archeological archeolo- search but the first act break doesn't happen until he accepts that archeological search so see that difference it's a it's a minor difference but you know inciting incidents usually happen you know generally within the first 10 minutes let's say okay then the rising action. The rising actions, I've broken down into three parts to keep it kind of very concise and broad, right? You know, what what happens initially? You know, what, what does the, the protagonist try initially? And how does it fail? You know, then what, how do they reconsider and try again? And then what's the third thing that they try, right? So each one escalates. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be of equal value, uh, you know, our, the way you gotta kind of consider this is all of us, right? And when you're looking at it from the story sense, it should be the antagonist, the protagonist, and everyone in between. We have a tendency, uh, you know, we we always take the least, uh, least, the, the the minimal action that we deem necessary to to achieve an outcome. Now that could be different. For someone, let's say like a Rambo, the, the minimal action could be breaking down a door, whereas for somebody else, it could be, you know, sending a text. So it's really defined by the the characters in that sense, okay? So really kind of consider it in that way. That's why it is important to have the protagonist and the antagonist really defined because a lot of times people make the distinction of like, oh, it's character-driven, it's plot-driven, well, character and plot really are synonymous. So that's how I want you to start to look at this. Then you have the turning point. You know, what's after all these failed attempts, what, what is now the shift? And what is what is that, you know, change that's going to happen to then be like, okay, you know, the protagonist, they're going to really rise up. Even though, you know, they might be down and out on their luck sort of thing. But it's like, you know what, now what? And that leads us to the Crisis Climax and then folly action is really like, okay, what's what's the resolution here? You know, what's the fallout of everything that's happened? Is there a happily ever after? Um, you know, is it is it sad or is it ironic where it's a mixture of both? Um, so, you know, this, let this be a guide for you. Uh, I hope this helps you. If you have any questions, by all means, let me know. If you have uh, thoughts of your own that you would like to share, please do so. I'd love to hear from you whether down below in the comments section or hit me up on social media at BillSvitek. And furthermore, if you think this document and this video would help somebody, by all means, share it with them. You know, I want this to be a free resource. That's why I'm providing it for everybody, you know, whoever wants to tell a story. So may it be of benefit uh, far and wide. And with that, thank you. I appreciate you and good luck writing.